Okay, I hit record. Good work, dude. We're really close Thank to doing you. this. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, you're listening to the Dollop. This is a bilingual American history podcast where each week I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history to my guy I know. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Is that it? Yeah, that's the intro. It's pretty straightforward. It that's is your what part? It is. You're not going to... No flair? No, I've not really been the big flair guy on my part. I've kind of let you go crazy, and then I just think it's important to get across what the show is. And you're the one who's like, hey, I'll add a bunch of stuff. Make it long. Make it long. Yeah, make it long. Yeah, you're the one who's always taking these episodes off track. <laughs> is that what... I just want it to be a story. You keep jumping in with all your bullshit. So you think if people were to describe the podcast, they would say Gareth is the funny one and Dave makes it long? I Wow, I wasn't even going to say that, but hearing it now, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. People aren't here for the story. People <laughs> want to hear a guy go crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they just want to hear crazy noises and some they guy want to d- hear... pretend like he's a baker talking to a shoe. Like yeah, they, they, exactly. that's what they're here for. That's the show. That's the show. You could oh. literally just be like, "Hey, be a baker who fucks a shoe." That's a show. You just—they're the one who's like, "Hey, we need to learn about this important person. This person did a lot. Here's a story about a really important person." Wow. I mean, if we're going to air the grievances, let's air them. The show yeah, is no, too no. long and too story oriented. <laughs> your your uh, impression of me is, first of all, spot on. Like yeah, you, it has to be like, like I'm listening like to yourself in a mirror. mirror. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I think we should talk about it at our next, uh, our next therapy session with Roger. Sure. I'm down to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds As, great. Because um, he might, I mean, he, he might find this a little aggressive. No, I mean, Lord knows. Why not make our sessions longer, too? Awesome. Wow. Idiot. <laughs> and called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy! Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like Anarchy! On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> My room Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> Don't sleep till hippo. Don't sleep till hippo. Action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Rhoda. Rhoda in the court. Uh, I do say this podcast is a bilingual podcast because it is. Because you can listen to uh, a, a Spanish version of the dollop Uh on uh, wherever podcasts are found. It is a top 10 comedy podcast in Mexico. Uh, it is uh, hosted by Edward Espinoza and Jose Padilla. So if El you Dalla. like what we do, you can get a totally different version of the same story. And uh, that's fun. If you, if, you, if you can hear it in another language, you don't yeah. need to speak it. You just need to hear it yeah. in another language. It's worth listening to to learn Spanish. Yeah, I would say that's the best way to learn Spanish. Yep. I got to be honest. Yep. Um. Happy COVID. I don't know if I got a chance oh, to wish you that. Happy COVID to you, sir. 
Thank Aren't you. we all enjoying it? Yeah. Um, I Almost got some over. heat. Almost I got over. a little heat from some people online uh, because I, I pushed everybody to protest. And then I said uh, I would not go to Portland uh, if I didn't have a kid. Um, yeah. So COVID is actually out there and I don't want to fly. <laughs> because all these people were like, you're a hypocrite. I'm like, I gave people an example of a different ways that they can protest, which I think is really important because some people don't want to go out on the streets. I have been on the streets during protests, uh, these protests. So in my own home area, um, but I, I am not going to get on a plane to bring COVID to Portland or whatever would happen. Well, they won't let you on because you're one of those big anti-maskers. I am an anti-masker. So um, you're not I only think we should be wearing hockey masks. That's good. And you know what I they should do? Should. You know how people who won't wear masks? There's no. you, see, you heard, yeah. There was two people. They had to turn the plane around. Oh on, yeah, they turned the, the plane around. They yeah, should just that. do the thing where they just drop those masks from above. You'll put those yeah. on. Yeah, make them do that. You just if you drop I, those during a flight, people will put those on. I have a totally different solution. Hmm. No flying. Staple guns. Staple guns is good. That's good. You should be able to staple gun a mask on anybody who doesn't want to wear a mask. That's good. Just hold like them that. down, staple it on there, and then then they have to, you know, then they can fly the flight or whatever. I or like just that. walk into a store. Right. Staple guns are we've had them forever. I think the Romans came up with them. So they did. Yeah, that's how they built the yeah. Colosseum. It's a history podcast. Uh, oh, is it? Never mind then. <clears throat> well, that's you know, that's what they say. <laughs> August twenty second, nineteen forty, year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All men? Eh, normally. What did that? Oh, what? Wait, what does that mean? What well, it means saying? that we're going to deal with a problem and it's probably going to be all men. All <laughs> men. <laughs> William Paul McCartney, known as Bill. W- sorry, William Paul McCartney? William Paul McCartney. He was, born, he was called William Paul McCartney, but it's not the same Paul McCartney. Just the, la- the middle. I should have just left out Paul. I gotta be Sir, now we, William Paul McCartney? <laughs> it's already started. Uh, very Yesterday. Is that the one? It's not. All my troubles guy. seem so far. That one? Mm-mm. No. Although I feel like they were probably born right around the same time. Uh, anyway, well, this that's guy's weird. name is This guy was known as Bill. He bang, was bang, Bill. Maxwell Silverhammer came. Is that the guy? On his head. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about, is that Paul McCartney? I live and let die. You really forgot who Paul McCartney is. Oh, that's the guy? <laughs> that's what you're talking yeah, about? When that's I'm Sir 64, James. boom, boom, that guy? Oh, Paul McCartney's first name is James. Whoa. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, but but okay. he was born two years that, He was born two years after this guy. So. Okay. This is the original. Okay. Uh, he, he was born in uh, Riverview, Michigan. He was brought up in a devout Roman Catholic home. He said that within minutes of meeting his father, you would know he was Irish Catholic. Uh, okay, so that either means strong accent, anger problem, or drinking problem, or all three. Or he just can't, would just come right out and be like, it's nice to meet you. No abortions. Uh. Right. Okay. Sure. Maybe that's just how he rolled. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. How he only uh, rolled. That's right. Uh, you would know. Oh, sorry. This is more of this. You, you would know his father immediately was an Irish Catholic uh, Democrat and a Marine. 
So oh, he must have okay. just told people because how else would you know that? Like, yeah. he just had to have been horrible. God is watching all of us. Drop and give me 10. A woman's right to choose. <laughs> so Bill was uh, good at football and went on to play at the University of Missouri in Columbia, Missouri. Okay. Would make sense that the University of Missouri would be in Columbia, Missouri. Does make a lot of sense. Just because if it was in another state, that would be weird. Strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his senior year, after his last season was over, he and a friend had dates, uh, and they went to a frat party. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of other Mizzou football players there. His okay. date on this evening was Lindy Tossig. Okay. Lindy, quote... I didn't often date football players. They seemed to be too much into themselves. But Bill was different. He was such a well-mannered gentleman. He had a tender way about him and a love for family. And God, that drew me in. And he was always talking about the music he had inside of his head. That's the wrong. And how someday he would let it out, finally. That's a different guy. So, like any college girl, she was really into a guy who was into... um, family and and god sure um at the party uh bill got really drunk okay so so far we're very on brand football player frat party hammered yeah uh so he overhears lindy joking and quote she casually used the lord's name in vain Hmm. okay now so this drunk person yeah if that's me i'm throwing a chair through a window yeah, for sure. You know, Jesus fucking Christ, what did you say? <laughs> That's right. So Bill became enraged. Okay. Bill, quote, using God's name in vain at all, much less around my teammates, for heaven's sake, was like committing the unpardonable sin. Never mind that I was obnoxiously ignoring my own drunken stupor. To her shock, I turned mean and braided her for her careless blasphemy. But he said, for heaven's sake, what, where's, what's the line it's on blasphemy? It's not the same. It's close. Uh, you say goddammit or something like that. I just don't. It's not the same as saying. Yeah. To um, me it is. But to me it is. I know. But you're also not religious. Like, I'm, uh, very, I'm very religious. So like any great, this is just a classic college moment when you, you go out to a party, and a frat party, and start arguing about blasphemy. Yeah, no, we all know. I mean, certainly, I think a lot of times at frat parties, they're all about the rules. That's right. Uh, so Liddy, Lindy was speechless and uh, really embarrassed. She said she was sorry. Bill refused to accept her apology. Not okay. You, you can't take something like that back. You've already pierced the Lord's flesh with your Satan tongue. That's right. He made Lindy and his friend and his date leave the party. Come on, like, we're out of here. We're here. done. The party's over. What's the point? What is the point of staying at the party right now? She, Lindy, has completely ruined the party because she decided that she hates God. God I'm doing one keg stand and then we're getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> so uh, we all got into his car. Uh, which he had borrowed for that. Glad evening. he's driving, by the way. This guy, and, you guys, you got to recognize what the Lord's plan is. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to drive hammered. So, uh, they drove across uh, town to campus uh, at the to the all girls Stevens College, okay. and then and then that's where uh, on campus is where he crashed into a uh, parked police car. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. So what does he say when that happens? He goes, God, you work in mysterious ways. Uh, No one was hurt, but Bill was arrested. Uh, He lost his scholarships. And with just one semester of school to go to get his degree. uh, So then he finished college, quote, financially destitute. Would this not... Would this not shake your belief in the Lord looking out for you when you try to defend someone, you try to defend his great name against blasphemers, and then he has you get arrested? Yeah, it's not, I gotta, I gotta say, it's not, this is not a great look for God. Yeah. uh, So far. Way to pay it back. That's right. Now, a year later, he's out, he's got his degree. He, he, he got a Bachelor of Arts in Education. That'll come in uh, handy. And they stayed together. Oh, Oh, wow. So he saw through it. Yeah, and they got married in 1962. Is there something you'd like to say to the man upstairs, Lindy, before we start? Just goddamn it. That's it. Is this (sighs) not? What? I just just keep thinking that at some point you're going to get really mad and fuck me, like, really hard. Don't say the F word. Serious, like, just fuck me. I'm sorry. I'm not comfortable with this direction. I told you the wedding night was not an appropriate time. It's merely for procreation. God damn it. This is bad stuff, but God damn it. I'm not aroused if that's what you're trying to do. It's not. Mm. Uh, Jesus was a bad boy. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to go punch a cop. <laughs> wow. Okay. So. Once he had his degree, he got a assistant football coaching job at Holy Redeemer High School in Detroit. So I feel Great like that's name. probably a uh, re- religious school. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe and maybe like a reforming school too. Yeah, this is the Great uh, Redeemer. Uh, so anyway, his brother Tom was the head coach. That's probably how he got the job. Sure. Bill was also uh, the head basketball coach, so he's double sporting, as they call it in the sure. business. Yeah. Right. Um, Bill moved up and onto a couple of different uh, uh, jobs. And uh, after a while, he was hired as the assistant football coach at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. So he moved through a couple of different coaching jobs. That's a big job. For people who don't know, uh, Michigan, really, really big college uh, football school. Uh, Up until COVID hit and uh, half the team died because they need to make money to fund the rest of the school. Anyway, that's just uh, the American System of uh, academics. Uh, Which makes a lot time. of sense, by the way. I'm not going to, I don't want to jump down your throat, Dave, but uh, find one flaw yeah, yeah. besides what you pointed out. I think you'll find every, every single uh, university system in the world uh, uh, has the funding set up through college football. Yeah. Uh, which is why you, the Tostitos Bowl is so exciting and the Fiesta right. Bowl. That's right. And the Chick fil A Bowl. That's right. These are, things are good. <laughs> During this time, they had four kids, so they're cranking them out, three sons and a daughter. Uh, They're both Roman Catholics, but people usually don't associate, at least I didn't, for a long time, uh, Catholics with being sort of hardcore. uh, You just think of it as being born in Christians, but but Catholics are pretty hardcore also. Yeah, I uh, I would say... uh, the whole group that funded like Kavanaugh was a Roman Catholic group. So anyway, oh, so they're, um, good, they're good people. They're good people. Uh, so he, at this point becomes inspired by a Protestant evangelical group 
the Campus Crusade for Christ group, yeah. which we were both in in college. They got more and more into the group, and then, then as a couple, they accepted Christ in 1974. What? They became born-again Christians. Oh, so they jumped ship from, Rome, from Catholicism to Christianity, to yeah. evangelical. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. That so, that, yeah. so she, he was just like, you know what, babe? I'm thinking of taking religion seriously, finally. She's like, you made us leave a frat party. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know. But I, feel like I, I feel like it's time to take it up a notch. Uh, these evangelicals seem pretty strict, which I like. You only <laughs> bang me through a sheet and a hole. And a hole in a sheet. Both. <laughs> Yeah, the first one was weird, but that's what they do. The sheet in the hole. That's what the Holy Ghost is. Um, yeah. The, in June 1982, Bill, came, Bill became the head coach of the University of Colorado Buffaloes. Sure. Okay. The running buffs. Hmm. Feels like Nowadays. that's not their name. The family moved to Boulder. Uh, the team had a couple of losing seasons, but then they started winning in 1984. Okay. And they kept winning. Uh, he was also very successful off the field, getting awards from Christian organizations for his excellent Christianity. Sure. That's Top great. Match. Yeah, it's great when you're winning awards for how this guy believes the bullshit harder than most of the people in this room. I do. I do. I, I yelled at my wife at a frat party about how she was blaspheming. Well, good work, Bill. <laughs> and he's going to play some original songs he's written today. You guys know what a didgeridoo is? No. All right. That'll be the end of that. Uh, So he made his players have mandatory pregame prayer meetings. It's just what you want to do when you're firing yourself up before a game. All right. We're going to go out there and kick their asses. Now let's talk about the Bible. I mean, just imagine just a dude who just wants to play football. <laughs> but the truth is that they have so many um, – religion is so, yeah, present in sports. Yeah. And what happens is oh, it yeah. actually becomes like a conversion factory in some sports. You have – if yeah. you have like a quarter – like I remember one season John Kitna turned like literally like 20 of the Detroit Lions Christian. <laughs> like he was there for like three years and they were like, John, stop. He was like, uh, do you mind if I use the Gatorade to give this man a baptism? So the ACL sued to stop them because it's a public it's a public college. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Um, And Frank was also accused of favoring Christian players. Um, Frank is his brother. uh, Wait, what? I said Frank. Yeah. Oh, you mean Bill? Uh, (laughs) Bill. Okay. Frank. I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, that's a weird. That was a weird mistake. Um, So the ACLU, they actually had a. Uh, a meeting and they, and they had to come up with the rules and like he had to agree to not, you know, ram the Christianity <laughs> down people's throats so hard. Right. Uh, I wish that I wish at, the ACLU would step in in every situation where that was happening. Yeah, that'd be great. At some uh, point, I uh, the campus became upset at some point uh, when uh, Bill held a pro-life rally on campus in uh, 1989. Oh my God. So the kids were like walking to school and, and he's like literally he's that have you ever I mean, I think we've all experienced this experienced this in 
the U.S. is when when you're walking to campus and there's just the guy on campus screaming about the Lord yeah. and you're going right. to So he was like doing that as the football coach, which is not a great not look. Great. Yeah. Uh, that same year. Uh, and, and again, it's all about, you know, anti-abortion uh, pro-life stuff. That same yeah. year, his daughter, Christy, who was 20, became pregnant by, quote, a notorious campus playboy and the star Colorado football player, Saul Anis. So, wait, sorry. So he, the pro-life, the pro-life crusader, his daughter is now pregnant by his quarterback. Yeah. That's what you call a sneak. <laughs> Uh, Sal was very upset that uh, she got pregnant and immediately stopped dating her. Okay. Sure. Uh, so so he, just to be clear, so this is just to validate that he is a football player. That's right. Uh, he told her not to get, he told her to get an abortion and not to tell her parents. He's like, don't tell your fucking dad because yeah. he's the quarter, he's the coach. I'm the quarterback. Dad, can I also, talk to you? Hold on. Let me just finish my rally. We will save the babies. We will save the babies at all costs. At all costs. What's going on, baby? We will save the babies. We um, will save the babies at so all costs. At all costs. Yeah, go. Yeah, we your, will save the babies. We can will. You stop screaming for a second. Yeah, sec? yeah, of course. It's just the Lord uh, is trying to. Lord has me out here today, fired up, trying to save all the babies. Because listen to me, baby. You know, before, hold on. Before your, you say anything, let um, me tell you something. The Lord hath given me a mission to make sure that every baby is saved because you have these goddamn left liberals who who insist that it okay. is a choice the lord hath put a seed inside of thee and it hath been watered therefore thou must have thy child okay so what what you're talking we about we will there? save the babies we go ahead what's up so the seed thing yeah uh, just i, I just want to get to it really quick you're yeah, yeah. uh sal you're great great quarterback but hey, he will put, you shake uh, this he, sign while you say this just because i don't want to let momentum drop here uh, there's shake a little baby sign. quarterback in me there's all right a little, quarter, um, there's a little quarterback in me perfect put okay you know cream pie is uh yeah the boston thing yeah I, I, your mother and i actually had one of those one time i remember we okay. were at a cafe we stopped at a cafe um, i had decaf okay well that's great baby so we got a backup quarterback good all right we will save the babies we- sal sal came in me mm-hmm 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 i've mm-hmm. we fucked i blew him a little bit ah, and then he ah, came in me that was the seed, and God made a baby. God made a baby. I must kill my daughter. My daughter must be killed by my... The Lord has taken my Wait. hand. Wait, you're pro-life. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, of course I'm pro-life, baby. So what we have here, I'm sorry for that little freak out. What we have here is a miracle. Yeah, yeah. And um, and let's... And this if is, you ever get a chance, or you or mom, to fuck Sal, it's uh-huh. pretty great. Uh-huh. It's pretty great. Uh-huh. 
It's not. It wasn't just that one time. Ah, uh, baby, all over, like all over, like all over the mm. house and the mm. locker room, and like mm-hmm. he's really good at fucking. So anyway, I think Jesus made him that way. Like, that's yeah. like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. as good as he is at mm. football, he's better at just really just hitting it. You know what I mean? Like. <sighs> can <laughs> hit it okay go to school have fun at chemistry <laughs> We will save the babies. Now, being uh, being raised by her parents, uh, Christy was um, anti-abortion. Right. Sure. So, and then she went and told her parents, and they were uh, surprised. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, uh, at the same time, they did support her uh, okay. to have the baby. Bill blamed right. himself for his daughter's pregnancy. Of course, he was not there to stop any it. normal. Yep. Normal man would do. Yep. He spent more time with her as a, uh, he said, had he spent more time with her as a dad, quote, she would have been more secure with who she was and would not have given herself outside marriage. Which is so true because right. it's so the, true. the reason why uh, a woman would have sex is purely. purely based upon rationales like that. It's that she, she was seeking some sort of demonic touch, Mm -hmm. nothing more. This is a childhood issue. And by the way, all women out there who have had sex, you were raised improperly and need the Lord. (laughs) What were you thinking? Uh, Now, and by uh, the way, if men do it, awesome. Great stuff. Yeah, that's right. Now, okay, so Sal was from a very conservative Samoan family uh, okay. who were like, you have to marry Christy um, and raise the kids together. This is why so many marriages end up great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Sal was like, he went to Bill and he said, look, I'm not going to marry her. This, it's not going to happen. I'm calling an audible. And, well, no, Bill. And so Bill said, look, this, is, this will not affect your position on the team. This will not change... Which is how great is that? Like you, the best football player on the team, you're not going to punish because he fucked your daughter. But it, well, that <laughs> it it makes it makes sense, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> like yeah, he, I know he should not be. Yeah. So uh, Bill and Lindy they, they accept Sal's decision, and then Lindy wrote Sal a letter saying uh, that who the mate that Christy chooses should treasure her and they should love each other. And if they, if they don't, they shouldn't get married. Right. Okay. So he was like, awesome. Yes, that's for sure. Yeah. And she's, but she said, look, but Bill and Lindy, we'd be there for both of them. Both of us will be there for you, you crazy kids with your um, horrible sex baby. Right. She, she asked Sal to, she said, can you be Christy's friend and support her during what is a very scary and difficult time? And Sal said, well, they, they ended up staying close to Sal. 
Um, the, the, the Bill and <clears throat> Lindy ended up staying close to Sal during the pregnancy of their daughter. Yeah, but also he is the quarterback, so it's this crazy, yeah. messed up, weird. Right. So uh, in early 1989, Sal started having stomach pains, and they weren't going away. Uh, Wait a minute. Then, is he the pregnant one? He's pregnant. The Lord. The Lord. The Lord right. has transferred the, first, the, the seed to the quarterback. That's right. Um, no, what he had uh, was inoperable stomach cancer. Oh, glad I got the joke. Very, very different. <laughs> so yeah. uh, everyone's devastated. Uh, and then when Christy went into labor in April, Sal was there. He held the baby. He was named Timothy Chase McCartney. Everyone called him TC. Spal- uh, sure. Sal spent a lot of time with TC while he was going through th- chemotherapy, and then he died in September Ugh. 1989 at the age of 21. <clears throat> so, uh, in the weeks before his death, while he was, you know, dying, uh, Bill encouraged Sal to accept Jesus. It's always died. really weird to me that that is an option with all with all the like work you put into making people accept and all the fear and the fire and the brimstone and the hell and all this stuff. The fact that you're allowed like a cram session at the end. Yeah. Like the idea that like I could be about to die and someone's like, do you accept God? And I could be like, yeah. And that's as good as like the years and years of biblical study and devotion to a church and showing up for service. And then just some jag off like me is just sort of like, yeah, okay, I'm buying it. And then you're like, all right, he'll accept uh, you. My grandmother was 97 when she died and my, my uncle converted her. And I'm just like, dude, yeah, she's fucking 97. She knew now you're just working on her fears. That's all you're doing. It's like remaking a car without a motor. You're like, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give this thing a real shine. It's like, it doesn't drive. (laughs) Yeah. But okay. So, So did he accept the Lord? Yeah, he did. He did. Okay. Uh, of course he did. So, um, so uh, during all this, Bill is still having amazing success uh, with football uh, and as a Christian. Both. He's sure. killing it with both. Right. On and off but the cross. But his marriage is not going well. Well, he can't get divorced. That's not allowed. That's right. Uh, and and uh, Lindy was becoming more and more depressed as her kids grew up and started moving out of the house. And um, football is keeping Bill away all the time. Bill's also drinking a lot. He's just fucking hitting it. So is um, this this religion thing, right? No, it's good. And then uh, Bill also had an explosive temper on and off the football field. Whether he's drunk or not, he's just... So it a sounds good great. Christian. Sounds like, a good sounds Christian. Like has, yeah. Uh, sounds like she has a good life. So Yeah. What, um, what do you think is depressing her? Any ideas? I don't know. Okay. I can't really put anything on it. And then I'll, on top of all this, Bill never really took a personal interest in his kids. He would pray for them and encourage them to grow spiritually, but he didn't really spend any time connecting with them. He was just like, well, they already have a father. He's in the sky. That's right. Um, and then he was also oblivious to how bad Lindy was doing. Okay, so seems seems like Christianity for him really gave him an insight into people's feelings. (laughs) So, 
over the years, he got a ton of awards for football. He's a really good football coach. Um, and then in March of 1990, Bill and his friend Dave Wardell were driving from Boulder to Pueblo for a Fellowship of Christian Athletes banquet. Sure. It's worth the drive. Our great banquets. Yeah. The best. Uh, and then uh, on this drive, Bill said he was struck by a vision of stadiums filled with men who were willing to become deeply committed Christians. Uh, like you have, like, like that's just something that happens. Sure. Like Joel Osteen. That's right. Uh, Wardell quote, he jumped in the car and said, let's pray. Oh, that if you if you ever want to get thrown out of my car the second you get in faster. <laughs> the two men prayed for over three hours. Uh, what? I mean, what a great time. Three hours just praying with your bro. That's just how you command silence. If you don't want to talk, you're just like, hey, you mind if we pray for the first few hours of this road trip? <laughs> I assume they were doing uh a talky prayer. I don't think they were in silence. So what, just like a yes and prayer? Yes, and of course, bless the oceans and my friend Gus. Yes, I mean, yes, and of course, <laughs> please bless the clouds, the trees, and, and Lindy. May she find inner peace. Yes, and may you also bless these taquitos. I feel like you and I are right now really giving up how much we are not Christians. Uh, what, what about what I just did tells you that I am not a man of the cloth in church. <laughs> okay. So, um, so the group that, that Bill had a vision of, mm -hmm. uh, he, he starts putting into motion and he named them the promise keepers. Oh boy. The goal of the group was to retake male responsibility and reestablish male leadership. Uh, the, the idea <laughs> that in this country we need to reestablish, like we don't need to reestablish, we need to reevaluate. We need to reestablish man. Not enough what people know that men are part of society. <laughs> it's not so, clear. The first Promise Keepers gathering uh, was in July 1990. 72 men met at Boulder Valley Christian Church. Uh, and then they started planning events. Um, and, and the big event, like he said, he wanted this to be a big stadium. So the, really, the big event would be the next July. That's what they're shooting for. Uh, Promise Keepers uh, was incorporated as a nonprofit. Sure. Uh, in 1991, Colorado beat Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl and became national champions. Okay. Obviously, God had a finger on that scale. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so now Bill's big shit, right? Uh, he signs a 15-year contract with Colorado wow. for 400, 400K a year plus bonuses. And on top of a really awesome year of football, the first large Promise Keepers event was held at the University of Colorado's event center on in July 1991. 4,200 men. Oh, my God. Right out of the gate. 4,200. Wow. Yeah. Now, again, 
I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's if word gets out that there's a Christian meeting, that's one thing. But if word gets out that there's a Christian meeting being led by the national champion yeah, for sure coach. Dude, if it, it, it makes yeah. Yes. If they were like Matt LaFleur is speaking, I'd be like, uh, I like God, you know, if you could just sneak in. <laughs> hey, Matt, how are you? Great season. Thank you. We're here about Jesus. He's awesome, too, but really good play calling. Yeah, without question. Um, so in 1992, Bill used campus facilities to talk about his support for uh, Amendment 2 of the Colorado State's Constitution. Amendment Amendment. Two was uh, to disallow sexual orientation uh, to be recognized as a protected class. So Ugh. they're taking away uh, right gay rights. Boy, Colorado really, for as liberal as it is, seems to be where a lot of the uh, court cases about yeah that come. Yeah, from. I mean it's it's swung the other way in recent years, but um, it, it was also it was approved that year, uh, but then it was eventually struck down by the Supreme Court. But Bill was mostly. Uh, focused on the promise keepers, even though he pushed stuff like that on the side. Yeah, that's still crazy. So Bill thought uh, leadership was needed because many American men had, quote, forsaken their Christian values. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, were, they were forcing a moral and spiritual crisis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and had to, quote, shape up or go to hell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So right. those are the ob- obvious options. Yep, get it together or go to that place in the ground. That's right. The lack of male leadership was causing poverty, drug abuse, illegitimate children, and juvenile delinquency. What what, what uh, woman was president at this time? <laughs> Can you tell me who she was? I feel like you're not hearing uh, what uh, Bill is saying. Uh-huh. Uh, the promise keepers believe that men and women had to worship separately. So that's a progressive uh, step forward. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's something Mike Pence hears and he's like, not far enough. So you, you, your, your wife has to pray away from you? Yeah, I, no, no uh, church services are all separate, men and women totally separate. Sure, yeah. Boy, the Lord, isn't the Lord weird? <laughs> so... Uh, he said men needed to reclaim their manhood and take spiritual leadership over their wives. Good. Which I'm sure the wives are like, oh, good. I'm glad that that came up at the meeting. That's right. I don't control you enough, Barbara. I've let you be yourself for too long. Well, so he's framing it not as domination, but, but to serve the women. Oh, interesting. He suggested the following script for Promise Keeper, uh, to use, uh, quote, this is what he says a promise keeper should <laughs> say, sure. quote, honey, I've made a terrible mistake. I've given you my role. I gave up leading this family and I forced you to take my place. I must now reclaim that role. That is the, the I mean, look, <laughs> I have, I mean, talk about throwing a flag on the play. Like I'm out of them to throw. But the like the idea that like your children are grown now and you'd be like, honey, I let you be in charge. I let you do all the work for all 18 years too much. Now that the kids are gone, I'm in charge. (laughs) Cool. This is really awesome. 
If the kids were here, I would drive them to practice. But, but they're, they're not. not. So I'm probably just drink a little bit more. And I don't want you to say shit about it. I'm in charge. Good meeting I'm with the prayer promise keepers. I'm picking what's on TV. That's right. And I don't like you eating lasagna. You're not going to eat that anymore. That's my meal. And we're going to eat them separately. You'll eat in the bedroom, and I'll have the downstairs. <laughs> All right, so, baby, look, um, I want to have sex, but we can't do it in the same room. We're going to do it separately. <laughs> Don't worry. I pounded a heaven hole in the wall. That way you can still have my member, but it's not directly connected to my flesh. It's not a sin. It's just like you found a worm. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Found a worm is the worst thing I've ever heard. Uh, so promise keepers also required members to be accountable to uh, each other for their attitudes and behavior. They had rules and promises they had to follow. So then it's just picking up steam. Um, the first promise keepers stadium event was held at Folsom field in 1992, 22,000 men. Somehow mostly white attended. Bill then realized after seeing all these white guys that there were racial divides in Christianity. Okay. And he started calling 10 a.m. on Sundays, quote, the county's most segregated hour of the week. Uh, That's that's (laughs) a nice, good, just a little, you can keep going, but just let's say some good white guy stuff there. Uh, there's there's nothing more amazing than um, white people's lack of understanding of what uh, the black churches mean. Hey, do you know little? You should be loud. <laughs> uh, working with focus on the families, James Dobson, he lectured and met with, quote, ethnic pastors. Ugh. So now he's trying to reach out. That's a good way to do it. These are the yeah. ethnic pastors. <laughs> good, Bill. Good. Really good. Uh, James, I would like to meet blacks. Where's the black pastor? That's what I'm after. (laughs) Um, But still, the message of the promise keepers is spreading and spreading. Men are just super into it. And the message is really that men have sort of lost their role with household and religion, and they need to kind of reestablish. Well, it's it's framed as... um, it's framed as, like we said, not to dominate but to serve. But at the same time, they're doing that. I'm taking over everything. Yeah, that's so like it's yeah. It's really it's subversive. Yeah, um, yeah. So the next year, Folsom Field, another event, fifty thousand men. God damn it! What? In 1993, his daughter, Christy, had another son. The father was, again, one of Bill's players. Wow. Uh, so, so Christy's... I didn't, I didn't go to Christy, and apparently some, um, some leftist paper wrote a pretty brutal article about her, but I don't... Like, she's not the bad yeah. guy here. Yeah. Like, she's just a girl who likes football players. Like, uh, good for her. Yes. Like, you know Compl- what I mean? Of, yes, of course. Yeah. It's only highlighted because her father's a fucking lunatic. Yeah. Uh, his wife's depression is now completely severe. Like, so, really, so, the, really so he's really like, he's just going out at these stadiums and just pining for what he should be doing. 
Like yeah. for the not that he should be doing, but like for the existence that he would say in his perfect Christian household, he has, but he doesn't. His wife is depressed, doesn't like him. His daughter is pregnant again, and he. I mean, like he, for the religious man, he's like, <laughs> and yet he goes out in these sold out stadiums, and he's like, we got to take the power back. <laughs> Women aren't listening to the man. It's like, yeah, no shit, dude. <laughs> well, they say they're doing all this to to be the free to be men but also they're doing it for their wives meanwhile his wife is experiencing severe depression i mean she she loses 80 pounds in a year uh, because she's not eating and uh, um she's no longer talking to her friends on the phone or seeing them at all like she's just totally isolated right. and he's like we're doing this for the women like it's just such a crazy juxtaposition all right baby i got another event today hey whatever you're doing keep doing it Woo-hoo. no i'm so. sad as fuck uh. So Bill uh, takes stock and uh, says, quote, having invested her all in our marriage and family for 30 years, she had come to a horrifying conclusion. Our lives together had been a waste. So, so this is what he said. Lindy's depression was the toxic fallout of the vast legacy of my chronic insensitivity and neglect toward her. Interesting. Okay. Uh, okay. So he, some, you know, some ownership, it sounds like, right? I mean, I got to say, it's it's the best of men realize there's something wrong with their marriage when their wife s- stops eating, loses eighty pounds, and hasn't talked to her friends in a year. That's when the that's when the best of men are like, "Oh, is there something wrong?" Hey, honey, things <laughs> seem well. I, I don't want to sound out of line, but things seem a little different than before. It's just. No, no, no. Hear, hear me out. It's just that we don't talk. You don't see anybody. You hate me. You don't pray. You've lost 80 pounds and everything seems to bother you. And I'm just wondering as a man, what am I doing wrong and how can I fix it? Because this <laughs> clearly comes down to something I'm doing for your own personality is formless, shapeless, uh, impossible. <laughs> so what do I need to do? Well, this is really... One thing about, I think, all religions is that this woman needs uh, yeah. a mental health a doctor. professional. Yes, totally. yeah, she needs an actual person, and and then this is just all fucking bullshit around it. But yeah. really, that's yeah. what I she mean. Needs. This this is getting bitten by a snake and saying the Lord will take care of the venom. Yeah, I mean, it's really yeah. But this is what he does, though. He retires from coaching in nineteen. This dude is all about big swings. He's <laughs> he's at the top of his game, dude. He signed a fifteen. If you sign a coach to a fifteen-year contract, I mean, they just signed Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the NFL, to a ten-year contract, and that's unheard of. Fifteen-year yeah. contract is crazy in football. No, it's totally crazy. Um, he's fifty-four, which is for a football coach is like you're in your prime. Yeah. Um, and he says he's doing it to spend more time with his family. The Promise Keepers is also fucking taking off. They're now in this year uh, seven events in different cities, all together two hundred and seventy thousand men. Wow! So it's just getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and then the next year, nineteen ninety five, thirteen cities, six hundred thousand men. Fucking a! Good lord. Uh, so it starts getting a little bit of attention because it's becoming this big movement. Um, this female reporter. For Miss Magazine, Donna Mikowitz. I see this going really well. 
poses as a 16 year old boy and goes to a promise keepers event. This Saint, this is, is the best. Fantastic. Right? The best. Oh, this is the best. <laughs> this is how you get a story. So she wrote that promise keepers were anti-gay, anti-abortion, but did have some doctrines that feminists would appreciate. Okay, interesting. And some couples were reporting promise keepers turn men away from abusing their wives. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's good, but it it's seems... just such a low bar. Yeah, hey, exactly. He finally stopped hitting me is not... Okay. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Larry and Sissy from Houston, 14 years of marriage. She says they have a miserable marriage. They're arguing one day, one time, and then he physically attacks her. Um, he gets arrested. And then his pastor took him to a promise keeper's meeting. Afterwards, Larry was so romantic and attentive that it was sometimes, quote, unnerving. What kind of fucking dickhead needs to go to a goddamn stadium speech to know to not be like, honey, I realized I shouldn't hit you. Yeah, it's so weird. Wow, I guess I never thought about it like that. Uh, Sissy, quote, once he came home and apologized for treating me so badly over the years and said he wanted to wash my feet. I let him, but I really thought he had lost it. <laughs> what kind of a fucking apology? Like, let me wash those feet. I just have a hard time wrapping my head around that like well i think i mean it's it's it must it must honest to god it's one of two things it's either there is some sort of either it's something he hurt like bill was like that's right you got to take her hand and say that you love her wash your feet every once in a while and that like clicked for him or there is like some biblical reference that he's like that's what she needs or she just had like gross feet It's possible she never washed her feet. Yeah, it's like, possible she had. Yeah, she might have been one of those barefoot people. Look, I don't know how the mind of a guy who uh, abuses his uh, wife or girlfriend is, but I, I think, based on what I've you know picked up over the years, that they do it and then they feel really bad, and then they do it again. It's like a cycle. So I just wonder if this feeds into the cycle of abuse where Over, now he can wash your feet and then feel better about right. the fact that he level know, the playing her. field only to unlevel it again. Right. Yeah. Um, so another woman said the promise keepers had improved her marriage quote. How does it oppress women if a decision needs to be made and it's the husband who initiates the discussion takes responsibility for including everyone in the decision making process and takes ownership of the result. The women who criticize prowess keepers are dishonoring other women who see being a homemaker and mother as important. <sighs> so Lord. she's literally saying, how does it oppress women if a man totally takes yeah. charge yeah. and all she has to do is, is cook and clean and take care of the kids? Look, you just got to cook, clean, let them wash your feet a few times a week. Bing, bang, boom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah well also imagine like imagine like halfway through your marriage with someone someone being like everything's gotta change you're just like this is gonna be crazy (laughs) this is not good that's not what i want sort of but not really 
So Bill explained, quote, it's typically misunderstood what it means to go home and be the leader. Leadership is servanthood. For the guy to be the leader means he outserves his wife. It's just the talk is just also uh, Orwellian. It's not a partnership. Weird. Yeah, it's no, it's not, not a, a partnership. Yeah. It's like it's like using doublespeak to try to figure out a way to get back to man in charge, woman not in charge. Well, yeah, and it, yeah, right. It's like you reestablish. Like I've been telling you what to do too much, so now listen to me, and I'll tell you how to be uh, waited upon. I'll be so good to you. It's like it may, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Randall Bomber, who is a, a religion professor, said that promise keepers were similar to a Christian movement at the turn of the last century, the muscular Christianity movement. Excuse me. So it's like it's like being men. It's like manly man Christianity. Wow. But the huge meetings were fun. At a promise keepers event in Anaheim, Joe Fernandez said, "Quote." It's like a fiesta, like a party for God. Mm. A God fiesta? <laughs> yeah. A God-fearing fiesta. Uh, 25-year-old lifeguard Robert Evans said, quote, it's not something you see every day. It's radical. Here I it have went- been dragging the women out of the water when they've been drowning. But what I should be doing is empowering them to follow my lifeguard way and save themselves. <laughs> but remember, he's saying it's radical – in the the way that it was said in 1995, like right. the way Cheetos was radical, like right. it's like shit oh, right. marketing. It's radical. This it's was like, radical. It's like, it's like years after it was actually a cool thing to say when right. all the companies were using it. Um, right. Right. <laughs> so promise keepers became a machine. Uh, at events, speakers spoke. Vendors sold. Stylish faded promise keeper polo shirts. Get your stupid bullshit Hat. here. Stupid <laughs> bullshit. Hats, t-shirts during uh breaks. Guys uh ate hot dogs and drank cokes like they were at a stadium, while others, quote, young men stripped to the waist, smeared themselves with sunscreen and swatted beach balls. So what's this is all very I, this is at a stadium? <laughs> Yeah. So at a stadium, half of the dudes just go off and have cokes and dogs, and the other half lube themselves up in white sunblock <laughs> and just start like, like what is, like I'd be like, hey, what's the schedule of today? Is there a schedule? It seems a little lot of full full of breaks is what it seems like. Hit the ball back. Hurry! Oh my god, that hit my nips. Here, let me put wow. some more sunblock on you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So in 1996 and 1997, there were 40 Promise Keeper conferences. Uh, around 1.5 million men attended. Wow. Good God. 40% of the men com- now complain about the event because of the constant theme of racial unity. So he's so, just... So all these white dudes are coming, and then they keep hearing Bill talk I, about I, 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 how they need like, to be more racially inclusive, and they're just getting mad. It's just crazy <laughs> on every level. Uh, in his book, uh, so I don't bad. like this stuff about uh, becoming friends with non-whites. Everything else resonates with me. No, I'm here for the Christianity. Uh, that's why we got to put all this white sunblock on these guys. Whiten them up. So he writes a book uh, sold out 
Uh, and in it, he wrote, quote, every day I continue to cry out that by the year 2000, racism within the church will have been eradicated. Oh, fuck. Good, good um, prediction. Promise Keepers go to uh, New York, and they hold an event at Shea Stadium. Mm-hmm. More like Prey Stadium. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> 35,000 men. Oh, my God. Frank Rich of the New York Times went. There had to be one or two guys who were standing there for a while. We're like, hey, is there not a Met game today? <laughs> I just saw a bunch of people. I just assumed my son and I just assumed the game was on. So it's just all these men praying and yelling for Jesus. Quote, during a marathon rally of sermonizing, singing and praying, men also repeatedly sobbed and hugged each other or more joyously slapped high fives while repeating the chant. Thank God I'm a man. Oh, <laughs> ouch, that hurt. Jesus Christ. Thank God I'm a man. There's just this is like ripe of catchphrases that should not be uttered in this country. Thank God I'm a man. Give me five. I'm a man. We are men. Yes. The uh, 1996 version of Dudes Rock. Yeah. Mike Bernardo of Connecticut said, quote, it's an awesome uplift. I felt so incredibely comfortable and free. I can finally be a man comfortably in America. You know how hard it is to be a man in America? You can't be a man oh. walk around. Everybody looks at you funny. They're just like, oh, there's that guy who demands everything. Nobody recognizes us for what we are. The guys who are demanding everything. <laughs> so M- Mike said that before the uh, uh, rally, uh, he felt he had to keep his intense religious beliefs to himself. So before the rally, he was what we needed. That's right. And now it's like, now I can tell it. Now I can talk to strangers about it. Finally. God, I love Christ so much. I want to high five other dudes. That's how much. Get God, I'm a man. Come on. Somebody hit it. (laughs) Frank of Queens quote, there's this whole macho thing out there. This idea that being a Christian is being a sissy. Frank saying one of the there. It's like, you're not doing your job. (laughs) You're finding like, Yeah. Uh, Frank sang, sang in one of the choirs and wore a T-shirt that said, quote, real men sing real loud. Boy, I, I just want to point out that I don't know what in the fuck is happening. OK, that's good, because I'm also sort of like not sure. It feels a bit like a rudderless ship. I mean, they're all having this fucking crisis of what it's like to be a man. But but they're, they're saying that because they're Christian men. They're sort of being stuffed in a box, and they go, don't get to be real men. But that's, it's like, but what are you talking that's never, about? That literally never happened in America. That's yeah. just not a fucking thing. Yeah. It's, it's, never, it's, never, it's never been a yeah, thing. So instead, they've just like organized an event of masculine bumper stickers. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, uh, so f- back to the writer, uh, Frank Rich saw them as wanting to overcome macho inhibitions and get close to God. And yet he wrote, quote, but an army uh, promise keepers most certainly is. Its preachers sound more like generals and hard charging motivational cheerleaders than clergy. Every music cue, crowd maneuver and sales pitch for Promise Keeper paraphernalia is integrated into the show with a split-second precision 
that suggests a Radio City religious pageant staged by George Patton. So it sounds so it's so, I mean it's going down the natural progression of now it's becoming a little bit more about money and I mean yeah they they clearly brought in somebody who knows how to market and knows live events mm-hmm. right now it's got uh, a wrestling feel to it now it's a, a pageant to right. show is being right. put on right women's groups like now started sounding the alarm about the promise keepers. <laughs> In 1997, Bill wondered why he was the one called by God to lead the promise keepers. Quote, it's absurd that I'm the one. I've made so many mistakes. I love coaching, but this is so much greater. And by greater, really great, because revenues were now $87 million. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, a report on Promise, uh, Promise Keepers event in Oklahoma. Quote, dozens of men are weeping openly in the pews. A more than slightly disconcerting sight, middle-aged guys sobbing and hugging and professing love for one another. I love you so much, Andy. (laughs) I'm so glad that we could come to this event together because before this, I didn't know that I could be a man. But now I get to go home and let Christy know that I've misled her the whole marriage. And I'm going to wash the shit out of her feet and let her know when I want my dinner because I'm letting myself be in charge. Fine through the eyes of her into the soul of God. Oh my God, hot dogs! Uh, oh shit, they, what don't they have here? I'm gonna Take your it. shirt off, here comes a beach ball! Oh my God, I'm so fucking happy here. I can finally be a man. I'm a man again. Hey guys, I'm gonna take a piss and guess which bathroom I'm going in. The one that says man! <laughs> Oh, that one's locked. I'll use the family one. The point remains. Uh, to continue the quote, they admit having broken promises. They beg for forgiveness, for insensitivity, for infidelity, for abandoning their children, for racial hatred, for sins as petty as reading pornography to transgressions as heinous as abusing their wives, and they swear to be promise keepers. Wow. So it's so, in a way... It's is this kind a, of is this, go ahead just male, male guilt like they they're shitty fucking if that's what you are you're a shitty dude it's making you and yeah. and instead of instead of uh, handling it the right way which is in your relationship you go and ask forgiveness from other shitty dudes well, dave, what, what dave uh, i lay out two options for you you're an asshole you're a prick you've been a prick forever you probably don't like yourself all that stuff so you can either go into some sort of deep dive into yourself, into your childhood, find out, you know, through therapy and other means like that, what makes you tick, why you're like that, why, you know, whatever your father influence, however, the, uh, or you can go spend uh, three hours at a stadium. <laughs> <laughs> with a bunch of dudes to tell you it's okay. Yeah, with a bunch of guys who are like, that's nothing. I ran over mine with a lawnmower. I've got to go rub her feet. But you know what's awesome? You're a man. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I don't want to freak anyone out, but there is a non-white man here, and that is a man is making me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> Promise keeper David Barnwell, an organizer in Detroit, said, quote, when a man sees a stadium full of other men crying, 
he figures it's all right to cry too. With women here, he might not do that. Right, yes, because they can't know. Exactly. (sighs) They can't know. They can't know. Because then, now now hear me out, because then you're, then because tears are for the woman. So then the woman sees the woman, you, being womanly and doesn't know what to do, which is why I get so mad and drink so much. And really, all I need to do is go there tonight and say, Kathy, I'm in charge. I'm fucking back. This is my marriage. I'm a man. And then I'll show her this cool bumper sticker that I got. (laughs) And then she'll love me again. And then it'll be fine because I'm forever changed. I put in the hard work. I drove to a stadium. I paid for parking. I went inside. I gave up half of my Sunday to fix myself. And I'm fixed. This sticks. Yeah, you're good now. This is good. I'm fine. I... I, 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 it's like the difference between taking your car into the shop or driving by a wizard. <laughs> I, I just wonder, is that true? Is it, isn't it harder to cry in front of other men than it is women? Well, also the idea that men don't cry in stadiums. Have you ever watched the championship? <laughs> they weep in front of all genders. Yeah. All right. I didn't think of that. <laughs> oh God. It's so good. <laughs> at that Detroit event, the speaker asked men who had committed sexual impurities to come forward. At first, no one did, but before long... And then a stampede. Thousands of men. And then a thousand were crushed to death at the front. In front of the podium, on their knees, crying and accepting Jesus as their savior. I've done so many bad things. I've done things all over, to magazines, to women, to... Sir, sir may I jump in? I love to yeah. eat ass. I love it. I eat ass like it's pancakes at a Denny's. I can't get enough of it. I will forgo every other part of the body just to get my mouth right on that ass. And and I love it. I love it. No, I'm not done yet. I have found ass to eat in in so many different places that it would be an embarrassment. I'm glad this is a safe place. I love butt. I like to eat it, and I love it. I love ass eating. It's the only thing that, now that we're in a safe place, I'll be honest, the only thing that can get this cock hard, okay, because we're all men, and there's no women around judging us. So the only thing that can get my dick hard is that if I eat an ass, and once I'm done eating the ass, the dick ain't hard anymore. But I'll tell you what, now that I've learned this, I'm going to go home tonight and have a conversation with my wife and let her know that I'm done trying to eat her ass. From now on, I will take my semi-flaccid penis and try to put it inside her by any means necessary. Sure, it might be like trying to open a car door with a piece of cooked spaghetti, but the point is, I've learned my lesson. The Lord is magical. Sure, ass is magical too, but I'm going to look somewhere else now. Instead of looking down the butt for healing. I'm looking to the clouds where the Lord doth live. He is mysterious and he hath fixed me. Woo! Are those hot dogs? Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, I guess throw some beach balls out. That was um, not I feel, what we were expecting. I feel 80 pounds lighter. Oh. I, I feel bad. Oh, yeah. I feel real bad. Yeah, I feel bad, too. I feel real no, bad. I don't think we feel the same. The only one thing that cures me when I feel like this, but I'm not going to go to that well. But normally, if I'm down like this, the only thing that will help me out is no. a slab of buttock. 
but there was a more male aggressiveness to this. It seemed what Bill had done was to combine sports and Christ. Which is a dangerous combination. Yes, it is. In uh, the pre- precise cadence of the chant, defense, defense, thousands of men were now in stadiums yelling, Jesus, Jesus. Like they were using right. the same sports yeah. and just translating it. Right. Uh, ads appeared uh, on scoreboard on scoreboards for a Christian book titled Go the Distance, which read, quote, this book will help you cross the finish confident you've run a good race. A T-shirt for sale read Lord's Gym, his pain, our gain. It's so it's just right. It's just it is. Cra- yes, it's crazy. It's like, yeah, it, they don't go together. He footballed Christ. Or they only go together as far as we've had them go together, which is where you're like, hey, he influences the sport, not he is the sport. But it feels like these are a bunch of dudes who feel like they're lame for liking Jesus. So they're trying to figure out a way to make it seem manly for them. For some and then for for others, it's just a way to scapegoat your sins, for lack of a better term. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Uh, on October 4th, 1997, the Promise Keepers held their most known event yet. It was called Stand the Gap, a sacred assembly of men in Washington, D.C. on the National Mall. There were 44 guest speakers, 11 jumbotrons, 1,500 portable toilets, uh, 130 stage lights, 24 generators, 210 phone lines, and 1 million free Bibles. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. But now leading up to this stand in the gap, now, if people don't know what that is, National Association of Women, uh, wait, National Organization of yeah, Women, sorry. <clears throat> Instead, that would, uh, it would be great if it was nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> uh, it started a, a campaign against the Promise Keepers. Patricia Ireland uh, is the now president. And she said the promise keepers were about taking control and and uh, putting making women take the back seat. And she said she was going to rip the mask off the promise keepers. She accused them of being a stealth male chauvinist movement with the secret political agenda of repealing women's rights. Which, I mean, which even if that was not the intended uh, mission statement, it is like, yeah, it's clearly, I mean... They're speaking to something. Uh, Ireland saw a dangerous movement, a new wave of the religious right with serious inherent dangers. She said they had a cult-like aspect and were, quote, very warlock. Sorry, very warlike. Also very warlock. What's the matter now? Afraid we'll turn you into gnaw? (laughs) Uh, she said they communicated in Orwellian doublespeak. She also saw it as authoritarians spreading male supremacy in our families with the goal of repealing women's rights. She believed they were it, as great a threat sorry. as George Wallace, abortion clinic bombers, and the Taliban. Well, they're certainly speaking to something, and it also is probably easier after something like this if you fuck up to feel like it's not only maybe less your fault, but it's easier to solve just by 
pray. Yeah. Praying. Yeah. And I think, I think she's right about that. I think that when, when you combine sports and religion, I think you're, you are getting this weird authoritarian thing. Totally. And it's, it's, there's definitely a, a male supremacy of the family, family thing happening, but it's also, you know, what we brought up earlier, there is this weird Orwellian thing going on with how they're talking about this shit. Yeah. It doesn't jive with what they're fucking doing. Right. Yeah. So the promise keepers were like, that's not true. Uh, they held a press conference where conservative women came forward and said they supported the promise keepers and called now's attack radical feminism. Uh, between 600 and 800,000 men attended stand in the gap. It was still mostly all white guys. Uh-huh. During the rally, a dozen topless women called themselves the Lesbian Avengers, and they walked through the crowd taunting the men for promoting patriarchy. Cover your eyes! Cover them! <laughs> That's great. Um, at the end, the Promise Keepers called it a huge success. Tony Santiago, of Queen, uh, Tony, uh, Santiago of Queens said he made a pledge to be more helpful to his wife by doing all the dishes and all the laundry. Quote, I felt I had to do more than just make love to her whenever and buy her dinner. <laughs> Here, the holy fuck. Well, he sounds like a real catch, obviously. I don't know what the problem is. I gave her a potato and fucked her. It's just so amazing. What it does, too, is when you it really does when you're like, um, I'm going to cook dinner and do the dishes more like those are physical things you can do. There, there's no emotional change there no, whatsoever. None. But none. you feel like you're doing more than you were, so you can probably justify having similar or adjacent behavior because now you do the dishes and you help out around the house. You know, like so you can still be a dickhole because you've learned something, but you've learned nothing. Yeah, I mean, you're you're coming from a baseline of absolutely fucking nothing. You used yeah. to fuck her once in a while and buy her dinner once a month. Like Jesus Christ, dude! Yeah. Congratulations! What a, what a great guy. Yeah. So he the idea the idea is that he the, yeah he just does not that's the idea that that's adequate that you're like I gave her food and put it in her. What is her deal lately? <laughs> so to cur- encourage participation in the uh, the promise keepers, stop charging. Fees for attendance. Now I don't understand this. So, so there's a couple things going on here. That um, it's 1998. Revenue is going down a bit, and I think someone made a really bad business decision. But they they decided to start stop charging. They're they're getting like 35 to 55 bucks a pop for these wow. stadium gigs. Huge, yeah. And there's something else going on. Um, that's that. Uh, from like 1994, it was a steady build of press and media attention. And then after the big stop the gap thing, it just kind of, everyone just kind of stopped paying attention to them. Like it wasn't like, it was like this big thing. And then everyone reported on them, right? The New York times, the Washington post, NPR. And then everyone just kind of went, okay, we did that. And they moved on. And so, so attendance starts plummeting, but the main reason is because they're not getting press anymore. So no one's, if you have an organization like the Christian church, you're, or the, sorry, the Catholic church, you're everywhere. You drive down the streets, you see the church. Like it's all, it's all encompassing. But if you're not an organization like that, if you just do events in stadiums, then, yeah. then there's no thing. There's right. no actual well established organization. So when the media stops, there's talking no place. About you, right. You're just kind of not there. Right. So they go deeply into debt. 
So Bill goes and meets with 3,000 pastors and lay people to decide on a plan to keep the organization afloat. At an event in St. Petersburg, Florida, he said, quote, I believe that every church that names the name of Jesus is supposed to give the promise keepers a thousand dollars. What? This is now. I mean, he this is this what always happens with this shit. Someone starts off and they're just like, no, no. And then eventually you are just like, I deserve money from God. (laughs) He owes me that prick. (laughs) Also, you just made $87 million. What in the fuck did you do with it? I mean, I mean what did <laughs> what you What did you do? do with it? Yeah. And now you're saying every church should give you $1,000 because of the work you're doing? I mean, if that works, it's quite a business model. This was his idea to raise $300 million that the Promise Keepers needed to employ all of their 345 staff at their headquarters um, and keep everything running. And in February... Uh, the staff learned their jobs would not be funded after March 31st if no money was raised. The Lord hath furloughed ye. <laughs> Bill stops taking his salary. Now, for some reason, all the church that, churches that named the name of Jesus did not give $1,000 each mm. to the promise keepers. Mm. At the end of March, all 345 staff members were let go. Now, this is like this is like one of the biggest... Like they went, they went, they just, they just had a, an event with like 600, 800,000 people. And, and you're just, now you're in March in the next year and you're, it's just falling apart. That's an astounding, that's an astounding collapse. Like Juicero. (laughs) Later that year, donations came in and, uh, promise keepers hired 180 staff for headquarters to eliminate their debt and to have a cash reserve. So they, so they went out and probably asked their own members. They probably email list or whatever. And, right. and you know, uh, they, they, they then schedule, uh, and this is 1998. So they schedule a Y2K March. Yeah. And now it was, it was going to be the sequel to stand in the gap. It would have promise keepers heading to every state Capitol building in all 50 States at midnight on January 1st, 2000. Perfect. That's, that's really bringing Jesus. That's it. To the yeah. That's it. Uh, now, because that's when the Capitol's with, open. That's right. <laughs> now, one problem with that turned out to be uh, the Y two K bug, which everybody was freaking out about. Don't, don't tell me it stole their thunder or something. When I think back to the two thousands, I think Promise Keepers. Well, they were because their their thing was exactly at midnight, which is exactly when everyone was saying the Y two K bug was going to yeah. destroy everything, um, and obviously people were freaking out about that. So they said they canceled it because of that, but a lot of people thought that they canceled it uh, because they were about to be embarrassed by low turnout. Right. Okay. And then Promise Keepers just kind of vanished for a few years. Attendance hugely down they had they had 62,000 in uh Minneapolis at the Metrodome in 1985 but in 2001 uh 16,000 people at the Target Center by 2000 their annual budget had gone uh from 117 million down to 34 billion 34 million wow 34 million sorry yeah that would be up um yeah we're having a bad year we're billionaires (laughs) not giving up in the early 2000s the promise keepers started an online community finally 
Bill had a uh, three-minute radio broadcast called Fourth and Goal. <laughs> Perfect. Three minutes, just the right amount of time to get your message across. I really think he was just doing the shit that he was doing early on as a coach, preaching to the kids. I don't think it's any – I think that it's just all the right. same speak. I mean, right, I might be right. wrong, but um, – and that was that was carried by 500 radio stations. Uh, they also offered an internet service provider with internet accountability software. Uh, what? Uh, what? Like, are you sure you want to jack off, Todd? <laughs> Don't you want to get your internet through the prompts keepers? Oh, just every website. What Yahoo? Are you sure you want to go to Yahoo? No, I guess not. <laughs> it was called I Promise, E Y E Promise. Oh. Better. Yeah, because otherwise Get it's it? Apple. The new I Promise <laughs> from Apple. Uh, in 2001, the Promise Keepers branched into youth ministry with a group called Passage. It focused on young men and called them the next warriors for Christ. Mm-hmm. Their tagline was, quote, this ain't your daddy's Promise Keepers. Uh, you, by the way, it is, wow, that is, uh, yeah. oh, that is tough. <laughs> This ain't your daddy's promise keepers. Yeah, well, I'm still against it. I will beat the living shit out of this group. Do I? Am I being clear? They launched an 18-city conference series aimed at adolescent boys called Turn the Tide, Living Out an Extreme Faith. Ugh. This was a nod to the extreme sports was a very popular phrase at the time. So yeah. this is their um, extreme faith. Whoa. Oh my it's God! Time to look get at Brad. He's praying. He's praying off of that cliff. <laughs> so, the the tour was touted as an in your face experience. That's right. Religion has never been aggressive. Now we're going to finally do that. Uh, then Promise Keepers International was launched. They hosted summits to unite evangelical Christian men around the world. Events were translated into seven languages and featured world music. Promise Keepers International was established in nine countries, including Canada, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Sweden, and the UK. Mm. Uh, so they're just grasping at straws. They're just yeah. trying to find a way to keep this thing going. And then, they're trying uh, to franchise any way they can. Yeah. And then in October 2003, Bill stepped down from, uh, as leader. Okay. He said he was going to care for Lindy, who now had a severe respiratory illness. My guess is I'm sure Lindy's going to be really happy to have him around a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Thomas Fortson Jr. became the new president and CEO. He said American society was on a moral decline and called Christian men to gain more influence over society, saying, quote, we are calling Christian men to change society by living under biblical authority and teaching others to do the same. Who the fuck wants to live under biblical authority? It's, are you kidding me? So what, what, what do you want? You want to go back to fucking Mandels? It's absurd. Yeah, it's crazy. So during this time away from Promise Keepers, Bill founded a ministry uh, for Jews called The Road to Jews- Jerusalem. He believed Jesus called for Gentiles and Jews to unite and heal divisions. And when that happened, quote, the world will then experience its final harvest of souls uh, but i'm sorry who is pushing <laughs> for this event oh a lot of people well, are. could you come up with a least uh, like a less terrible name <laughs> the harvest of the souls and what is that that's where we kill everybody yeah this kind of shit is creepy so the, the promise keepers keep trying to redefine what they are 
looking for a bigger impact with not a lot of uh, spending. Mm-hmm. Uh, models for events were changed from what makes a man to unite and ignite. <laughs> They're just so desperate. Ugh. God. Smaller local events called Promise Keeper Adventure were held at churches, and they continued to try to use internet and satellite to bring Promise Keepers to more men at a lower cost, but nothing was working. Sure. Forston did not meet his own goals, and he resigned. Uh, Promise Keepers had Bill, who was now 68, come back to lead, and in 2009, Promise Keepers held one stadium event in Folsom Field in Boulder. It was the first Promise Keepers event that invited women to attend. Oh, well, finally. So this ought to fix everything. Yeah, right on time. Their, their whole mission, their whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're so desperate for business. They're like, well, let's invite, let's just, everything's gone. Let's just, let's make money. But that means we can't openly weep. That's right. There will be no openly weeping because of the women. Promise keepers even began reaching out to Jews. <laughs> hey, our bad. Listen, do you want to join? God's cool with you now. Please bring your monies. It's just so insane. The Promise Keepers held uh, a Promise Keepers. Sorry, Promise Keepers annual charity report outlined why they were including women. "Quote: Approximately fifty percent of American households are led by single moms." <laughs> yeah, Dave. I just, well, what are, are, are <laughs> <laughs> they? Don't know what they're doing any longer. No, they just they can't get anyone interested. Turns out that women are. Sometimes without a man, some of our studies are finding. <gasps> what? Also in the charity report, uh, they said how uh, they were targeting African-Americans, quote, because 39% of abortions in America are by African-American women. Uh, they were targeting Native American communities because of high suicide rates, and they went after young adults because only 4% had a biblically-based faith in Jesus. I, I definitely think when I, when I was an adolescent, that's what I was after. All oh, the changes sure. you're going through, you just want someone to come over and be like, hey, you need to read the Bible. Yeah. So with all this going on and reaching out to all these different groups, they now called the men's only groups men's classics. This is it, this is like quite a downfall. <laughs> the men's it sounds it sounds like when a shop goes out of business. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Um, they held a half a dozen events each year in cities all over the U.S. And then Bill stepped down again in 2015. Jesus Christ. Dr. Raleigh Washington took over. He was a black guy who had joined in 1998, but three years later he was out and Ken Harrison took over. Bill's wife, Lindy, died in 2013 at the age of 70 from emphysema. Uh, They've been married for 50 years, although it sounds really terrible, like a really, really fucking terrible marriage from their first date onward. Yeah, first date Um, wasn't good. That year, Bill was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. In 2016, Bill was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. During a 2017 interview, he was asked about the 1991 National Championship game against Notre Dame. Quote, I know we won. You know, I don't remember who we played. But even with his memory loss, he cited Bible passages that give him hope. And quote, I believe there's a way out of this. His grandson. Okay. What? 
I, it's just, I would love for you to read him this story and see what he thought. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Bill's grandson, TC McCartney went on to play football at LSU, uh, where he later coached. He went on uh, to coach at the university of Colorado and is now the QB coach for the Denver Broncos. Oh, wow. Bill's other grandson, Derek McCartney went on to play at the university of Colorado. Today, Promise Keepers is said to be ushering in a new era with a modernized approach. Uh-huh. Improving follow-up with men after events. The follow-up takes the form of fire teams, which are, quote, small groups of men in each church connected by a smartphone app. Promise Keepers launched women's groups, Esther Calling and Hannah's Initiative. Esther Calling supports the mission of Promise Keepers and the men of Promise Keepers. So they've created a wing of their male-generated male support group. They finally want to speak to women, so they're like, this is a group just for the ladies to talk about how great we, the men, are. And remember, their whole thing at the start was how they were going to serve women. And now now they've started a group that's whole purpose is to support the men. Hannah's initiative, uh, women would form prayer pods and pray aloud for issues like encouraging men to take spiritual leadership in their homes and for men to rise up as servant kings. What, what? So what, like two women showed up and like, we're like, what is this? Oh, that's dog shit. Uh, is there anything prom- that talks about the feelings of the woman? Yes. Yes, we went over that. Yes, you feel like the man needs to do more for you. Yes, that's your feeling. You feel like you need to be more dependent on your man. Okay, so talk about that stuff, and there'll be no talk of anything about you people. This is about men. Don't fuck with God. So it's still still going on. Still is going on. Yeah, I I, wrote, I actually wrote this before uh, the um, the pandemic, and mm-hmm. and for some reason I just thought once the pandemic hit, I was like, this doesn't seem like the right one. But um, but at the time they had scheduled uh, a, a a stadium event, Dallas, Texas, AT and T Stadium, July thirty first through August first, twenty twenty. Wow! So it just happened, and I I was part of me wanted to go to it, of course. Um, I, cause I've always wanted to go to a promise keepers event cause it just sounds so fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, but then I was going to fucking do it online cause then they decided to do it online and I forgot about it. Oh, Dave. I just, I just, I, cause I just read, it was like, they had, <laughs> it, and I was like, Oh my God, it was the first stadium event in 20 years that they were going to do. I think they still did it at the stadium, but then they just, then they just, uh, did like zoom Broadcast, or something of the, right, right. of the guys talking. They kept saying they were going to get 80,000 men. But with the online event, I went to Twitter to look at a post. They, the official Promise Keepers Twitter account has like just over 5,000 followers. And their tweet for the Promise Keepers event only got 11 retweets. Mm. So it's, it's <laughs> not sounding. Uh, it feels like it's peaked. <laughs> Sources, uh, a lot of this is by T. Malcolm. And then it, a lot of this is from our, our articles. Aaron Osling, God Football and the Game of His Life. 
um, P Hope, the Patriarchies on Track, a research at Promise Keeper, Joseph Big Crowd, um, Jay Woodward, uh, E Gamerman. And these are just all the authors of the, of the, uh, articles. Yeah. So there's a huge list of, uh, of that. A lot of New York Times, uh, a lot of Washington Post, uh, outside the lines on ESPN. So there's just a bunch, um, of sources wow. you can go check out on our sources page. Well, let's hope, I mean, I've wanted the pandemic to go away for a while, but let's hope that it goes away as soon as, soon as possible because we can get the promise keepers back up and running. I know. Right. I mean, yeah. I really, I, I think I might, I think I might have, cause I really wanted to go. I think I, but I also think if I had gone, it would have been like me and like 40 dudes. Like I think uh, it'd be been. like, so Dave, walk us through your history. Be like, I'm a goof. <laughs> I think you're the weirdest. Dave, you have quite a following on Twitter. Why didn't you retweet our thing? Oh, God. You know, Dave, so, going through your tweets right now, I'm seeing a lot of things that are incongruent with the beliefs of the Promise Keepers. It would just be so fun to watch dudes crying and hugging and high-fiving and, you know, the whole... Yeah. All the yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, and being like, my wife's feet are so dirty. She needs. I got to go baptize my wife's feet again. Well, it's quite a country we've got here, isn't it? Also, I think that um, I just want to say I think there's a definitely a, a, a through line from these stadiums of dudes to Trump. I was going to say, yeah, I, it, it, it's true. It's like it almost seems like to what you were saying. Yeah, that, that like the message is less important as much as the event and feeling like you're part of something, which I yeah. think speaks a lot to that, you know, that base in a way, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I want to thank April Garrity for doing research on this. Um, thank you, April. Yes. Thank you, April. Thank you, April. All right, Dave. Well, good shit. Another beautiful chapter in this perfect democracy. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, mm. goodbye, everybody. Hey there, people listening to the dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I listen. I have a new podcast called "We're Here to Help" that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, 
Bristol September 22nd and Cardiff September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide November 16th. Canberra November 17th. Brisbane November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.